You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. Welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. I'm your host, Dr. Tina Moore. I'm a naturopathic and chiropractic physician, and I'm here to tell you the truth as I know it. With censorship and thought police taking over the platforms and airwaves, my goal is to bring you real talk about all things health, strength, and resiliency. Get ready to have your paradigm rocked. I don't hold back, and I tell you how I see it. This is Human Wellness 2.0 Uncensored. In this episode of The Dr. Tina Show, I'll be sharing with you my state of the union, or basically my summary of what this past 16 months has brought us with the pandemic. I'm just releasing three episodes in a row now. There'll be a new show every Wednesday. If you have any questions for the show, please email us at podcast at drtina.com. That's D-R-T-Y-N-A.com. And if you like the show, please rate it and subscribe on your podcast app. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. Today on this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I wanted to just introduce you to who I am, what I'm about, where I've been, where things are going, a bit of the state of the union, if you will, around the virus, explain to you why you should listen to me and why I care or why you should even care with a bit about my background and let you know what I think is coming down the chute to some degree. And so I'm going to just jump right in and let you know First and foremost, I have a lot of personal experience with viruses in my own health. I am not a virologist. I am not an epidemiologist. Uh, I am not a sociologist, but I have background in all of those sciences. As a chiropractic physician, I got an excellent basic sciences training. So I understand how these things work on a base level, which I think has been forgotten somehow by mainstream media at large. As a naturopathic physician, we study root cause medicine. So we understand how your body and the way that your body is handling things is simply a presentation of symptoms. There is a root cause behind everything. There is a base reason why your body is handling things the way it is. And so at the beginning of all of this, I thought for sure common sense would prevail. I was I was sure. I, I saw the virus coming to the U.S. I knew that it there was a potential for it to have come from a lab just by what I was reading coming out of China. I was reading all the studies that were coming out of China right in the very, very beginning. I did as much reading up on SARS-CoV-1 and the MERS virus as I could before SARS-CoV-2 even hit our shores. I personally almost died from a virus when I was 19 and have suffered with long hauler syndrome since. I became a naturopathic physician so that I could figure out a way out of that pickle for myself and my own health. And during that process, I almost died of influenza, which turned into meningitis, which also gave me a nice case of long haulers. So I intimately understand what's happening for a lot of people out there. I closed my practice a few years ago, so I have not personally taken care of any COVID patients, but I have coached over 400 doctors through this past year in business and marketing and in other specialty medicine that I do. And I've talked with them consistently about the patients that they're seeing. I feel as if I've had a front row view to the frontline workers this entire year. My Instagram account grew quite rapidly over the course of 2020. And I was getting information from all over the world in real time from doctors, nurses, and therapists, occupational therapists, home care specialists, you name it, respiratory therapists, um, ER docs, radiologists, imaging doctors from the front lines all over the world telling me what was going down 
in real time. And I thought that it was fascinating that what I was hearing from reality was not what I was seeing on the news. I don't watch the news that often, but every time I turned it on this year, I was horrified to see nothing but case counts, case counts, case counts. And I'm going to step into that a little bit, and I'm going to give you a general overview. A lot of this you may or may not agree with because it's not what you've been presented by the mainstream media, but I just want to give a general overview. First off, this virus is part of a subfamily called coronaviruses. There are four of which are in circulation in the general public at large and have been forever. They are known as the common cold. There are other things that cause the common cold, by the way. But as far as this virus goes, it's a single-stranded RNA lipid bilayer, a very simple virus, if you will. It's a larger one. It has the ability and the propensity to mutate and replicate readily. So we knew variants were going to be an issue from the get-go. The thing about viruses is as they move through your body, they use your cellular machinery once they bind to your cells through this, this particular one binds the ACE2 receptor. Once they bind into your cell, they use your cell as a, as a manufacturing plant, if you will. And they churn out replications of themselves, and then they burst out of your cell. They use your lipid bilayer of your membrane of your cell to shoot out and populate the rest of your body. If your immune system catches on quickly enough, um, this virus likes to bypass the immune system a bit, but if your immune system is healthy and robust, it will catch it early and the whole... the there's a wall put up. It's handled, right? Like your ninja fighters come out and handle it. It's no big deal. I'll tell you straight up, the friends that I have are generally healthy, fit people. Um, I surround myself with healthy, fit people because that's my lifestyle and that's what's important to me. And so most of them have who have had it said it was not a big deal for them. Literally every human being I know that's had the coronavirus, it was for the most part, not a big deal. I have two friends who are in their 50s who have some excess visceral fat around their midsection. We know that visceral fat makes you far more susceptible to poor outcomes with this virus. They didn't do as well, but they were fine with the use of ivermectin, azithromycin, and steroids, which, by the way, there are therapeutic options out there. There are effective therapeutic options I don't understand why they've been quelched. I'm going to get into that in upcoming episodes, but you can't emergency authorize a vaccine or a novel treatment if there's already known therapeutics that are effective in circulation. So I'll just leave it at that and you guys can talk amongst yourselves and guess what you think that means. <laughs> so as a side note, when I was 19, I got cytomegalovirus, which is in the herpes family. It's a different family of viruses. And I was so ill, I had to get pulled out of school. Interestingly, this virus, cytomegalovirus, doesn't tend to actually impact most people in a negative way. Most humans experience it. They are exposed to it. They handle it. Their body handles it. Their immune system gets it out of there. It's no big deal. Um, the only time that people really come down with illness from cytomegalovirus is when their immune system is severely compromised. And I was 19 at the time. It was the early 90s. And my doctor was at the, the college I was going to, Portland State University. And she pulled me aside and said, look, you've got these sky-high titers of cytomegalovirus. This is really abnormal. And the only time we really see this is in AIDS patients or HIV patients. And so we need to run AIDS testing on you. And at that time, HIV testing wasn't a quick turnaround. It was like weeks. You had to wait weeks and weeks to get results. And so admittedly, I was terrified. 
And I had no idea what to expect. So it was a really, really stressful time. I waited for weeks and I got my HIV test results, came back negative. And they determined that it was indeed the cytomegalovirus that was making me sick, which is just abnormal. If It's, it's one of those things that just people get through and it's no big deal. They found it because they were looking for Epstein-Barr virus, which is the monovirus. And at 19, you know, kissing disease, if you, you know, as, as you know it in high school or college, young people get mono from, they exchange it that way. So anyway, back to the cytomegalovirus. I was perplexed because nobody could give me any advice on what to do besides hand me a multivitamin and tell me to go home and rest. I was literally just sent home. I was withdrawn from college and I had to spend a quarter at my parents' house not going to school. And if you guys know me at all, you know I love to learn. School was everything to me. So I was unable to attend school and I had to sit at my parents' house and cry and waste away. And I certainly wasn't getting better. It was winter. And I remember just sitting, watching the Winter Olympics, crying through the whole thing because cytomegalovirus attacks your brain and it does bad things to your neurologic system. And so here I was thinking I was going crazy. Nobody knew anything. No one had any information for me. Years later, when I graduated from school, I struggled to get out of school and I really struggled to keep my grades up, which was un, that was just uncharacteristic for me. I'd always been such a whiz kid. And so get out of school with mediocre grades, which I was not happy about, but I did not understand what was happening or why I couldn't seem to remember anything when I was taking tests. And I met my mentor, Rick Marinelli, Dr. Rick Marinelli, who was a naturopathic physician and an acupuncturist. And he very quickly, I shared with him about the cytomegalovirus. He ran titers. They were still high all those years later. Not crazy high, but they were still high. And he explained to me how this virus attacks the brain and what it had done to my psychological well-being and to my memory and to all of the things that I'd been struggling with. And I had been being treated over the years from that point of being infected up through the current time I'm uh, when I met Dr. Rick Marinelli with antidepressants, lots of antidepressants and medications, and nobody knew, nobody even for once thought it had anything to do with the virus. And so I know how gnarly viruses can be, and I know how they can derange your entire life and just take you down a path you never expected. I didn't know what to expect with the SARS-CoV-2, but I knew that it looked virulent and I knew it looked intense. And people, some people, a small subset of people have a very difficult time of, with it. Unfortunately, that phenotype, if you will, of person happens to be the bulk of what America is, which is generally unfit, um, lack of exercise, high visceral fat, metabolic dysregulation, so sitting on the edge of diabetes, generally excess um, adiposity or obesity or even extreme obesity. And so it hadn't really hit our shores yet. And I thought, oh man, this is going to be a train wreck when it gets here because the type of person it was taking down was precisely what America is full of for the most part. And so I knew this was going to be a shit show. <laughs> I I had no idea that common sense would not prevail because through my learning of naturopathic medicine and chiropractic medicine, I learned very quickly that how you go into a virus is has everything to do with how you withstand the virus and how you come out the other side. The reason I share about the cytomegalovirus and how it derailed me was because I went into it severely underweight, anorexic, chain smoking, living off of Snapple and Sun Chips, never going out in the sun, never sleeping, drinking too much alcohol, stressed out of my mind, staying up all night studying, burning the candle at all ends. And I had no idea why that thing had derailed me so bad. But I mean, duh, right? Obviously, if your immune system's compromised, 
you're not going to do so well. What happens is the virus gets in your body. It starts to replicate. If it lingers there too long, meaning your immune system doesn't handle it, it will start to mutate and recombine. So sickly bodies are what create variants. That's that's it in a nutshell. We now know through influenza, looking back even into the late 2000s, we have studies showing that in obese and inflamed bodies and in malnourished bodies, bodies that are missing essential nutrients, which is most of America because we live off crap food in the standard American diet, viruses not only replicate more readily, they stick around for longer. There's a higher propensity for shedding. They shed longer out of the individual who's unwell. And a more virulent strain may actually be produced out of a malnourished or obese body. We have that in mouse studies. We have it in human studies. And so nobody was talking about this. And I thought for sure you know, Fauci, the powers that be, government officials in some country, any country would come out and say, hey guys, stop eating sugar, start going for walks every day, make sure you get out in the sun. We know that vitamin D levels, let me just put it this way, naturopathic doctors know how to deal with viruses very well. And many of us are treating, whether we realize it or not, chronic viral issues in patients. So i.e. they had a viral infection at some point and they've never been the same since. That's a very common story. And so we know how to deal with them. So I thought for sure my profession would step up. I I was sure of it. I thought this is it. Naturopathic doctors are going to save the world, right? I thought for sure that somewhere somewhere in some government that they would shut down McDonald's, they would shut down Coca-Cola, and they would say, now's the time. Like humans have gone too far. Like human bodies, humans as a species have been too sick for too long. And somebody would step up and say, we got to get our shit together, you guys. Otherwise, we're not going to get through this. So I was trying to explain to them based on prior studies that A, this virus was never going to go away because it had already become endemic, meaning it was in the population. B, it was going to mutate around whatever barriers they put into place. C, none of the studies on the SARS-CoV-1 vaccine looked good. All the animals died. So I thought for sure with this mRNA technology or whatever they came up with, was if they hadn't figured it out already, we were going to have some snafus. I didn't think they would rush something out so quickly. I thought it's going to be a few years. And I was talking about this on social media and on other podcasts and other interviews I'd done. Like it's going to be a few years before a a safe vaccine comes out. I don't want to get into that right now because I'm going to do some episodes coming up on the mRNA technology. But dropping this type of vaccine, which is not a sterilizing vaccine, meaning it doesn't actually evoke complete immunity. Dropping a vaccine like this in the midst of a pandemic also drives variants. That's just basic immunology. So we've got a sickly population where the virus is allowed to linger longer, causing variants. And we've got, I mean, in general, humans are pretty sickly. People wonder what's happening in India. India has the second highest rate of diabetes in the world, right? So This is what we saw early on coming out of China. Those with diabetes, those with blood sugar issues, those who were obese. I was hearing that literally all over the world. People saying, doctors and nurses and ICU nurses telling me like, yeah, 99% of the people we're seeing in ICU, 99% of the people dying, 99.9% of the people dying are all obese and diabetic, obese and diabetic. So trying to share that information early on was met with a lot of venom from the population at large. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe that I was, I I couldn't believe the backlash I was getting 
it quickly occurred to me that there was an agenda to silence the helpers. And I know this because I know a lot of other, you know, quote unquote influencers. I never aimed to be an influencer. That was not my goal. And I hate to use that word, but those of us with larger accounts on Instagram, I started to quickly see what was happening. There were slanderous articles written up in publications about us by name. We were threatened. I got death threats. Um, on and on and on it went. I mean, I cannot even begin to explain to you the, the level of venom that came at me. And I didn't understand what was happening. I got associated with fringe political groups, um, which I didn't even know what they were. I, I really, and I'm a pretty apolitical person. I'm, and I'm very much a moderate. So, I had no idea what the heck was going on. But I quickly started to realize that this virus was becoming politicized. The effective therapeutics that were being discussed around it were being massively politicized. Hydroxychloroquine, for instance, that I think probably would have made it out there to save hundreds of thousands of people if Trump hadn't talked about it. But everybody was so dead set on hating Trump that they had to silence that. And on and on this weird game went, and it just kept going in circles. And I kept getting attacked by packs of of accounts, like literally like a wasp. It's like stumbling into a wasp nest and all of a sudden they would come at me. And I tried to explain this to some of my other influencer friends who were not uh, freedom fighting or trying to speak the truth. They were just going about their business as usual on Instagram. And they almost didn't believe me. It was almost like people, they just couldn't possibly fathom what I was telling them unless they were experiencing it themselves. And when they would get a taste of it, they'd come back to me and say, oh man, I had no idea this is what was happening to you. And what they got was like one one hundredth of what I was getting. And so I feel strongly that I was built for this. You know, as a punk rock kid, I chose to go into alternative medicine on purpose. I did not want to become an ND. My background was pre-med my entire life until I met my mentor. And then I quickly shifted over to holistic care. I did not want to be a medical doctor working in a hospital for insurance companies. Um, so I've always chose the hard path. I've always chose the, the less populated path of truth-telling. And it's always met, been met with vitriol and venom. So I, I'm not new to this. I have a thick skin. I think what I went through this year would have killed a mere mortal, <laughs> but I am not a mere mortal. And I was adamantly put here to tell the truth. And I feel strongly that I have information that the world needs to help them. And so I will speak, right? And so there I was kind of in the arena every single day, put suiting up every morning with my suit of armor. But because of my bravery and because I was being bold, I started making some incredible connections on social media and having some incredible people like RFK and others reach out to me. And the information that we were able to exchange with one another uh, through podcast interviews, through chats, through Zoom calls, really cemented for me that I was right. I'm not wrong about this. I'm not right about every single thing, and you don't have to agree with me. But bottom line is, as this played out, this virus is not that deadly for most humans. There is a well over 99% recovery rate for 99% of people. We now have the study. So as I was saying, I was getting met with so much venom. I was being called a fat shamer. I was called every name you could possibly imagine multiple times over, racist, you name it. If you're vaccine hesitant, you're suddenly racist. Um, it's just it, the, the environment online became very vicious. 
This episode of The Dr. Tina Show is brought to you by my personal line of products that you can find inside my online store. A daily necessity for anyone who wants optimal brain performance to enjoy improved executive function, clarity, and concentration, my vital brain with magtine is the obvious choice. Magtine is a patented form of magnesium 3 and 8, the only form of magnesium proven in animal studies to cross the blood-brain barrier. Boosting the brain's magnesium levels is vital to healthy cognition, which includes long and short-term memory, learning, stress management, and even sleep. Vital Brain comes in a delicious lemon-lime flavor that easily mixes into water or your morning smoothie, and it does not impact your bowels like other forms of magnesium can. It gets into your brain where it's needed. Less pills, improved absorption. Magtine has been shown in studies to raise brain levels of magnesium, which impacts brain synapses directly. Unlike other brain products on the market that work via brain stimulation, often overstimulation, magteen works via a completely different mechanism. When brain magnesium levels are not optimal, synapse function deteriorates. By delivering magnesium into the synapses, vital brain helps brain cells stay healthy without being overactivated. Consequently, brain cells respond to signals with clarity and robustness. While I can't make specific health claims, tell you how to dose, or make individual health recommendations, I can tell you how these supplements work. As always, check with your health provider before beginning any supplement regimen. Listeners of The Dr. Tina Show can enjoy 10% off Vital Brain by using the code VITALBRAIN10 in all capital letters over inside my store at store.drtina.com. I use this product every morning, and it significantly improves my productivity throughout the day. Again, head to store.drtina.com and use code VITALBRAIN10, all capital letters, for 10% off. The things I was saying that I was getting trashed on for, and, and I will say this, I was getting trashed on by my own colleagues who I sat in class with and learned this information with and took board exams with, so I was a little shocked by that. The information that I was sharing out early turns out all these months later, what, what, 16, 17 months out from the start of this, it's the same information I was sharing is now being verified in studies, the same exact information. So if you are metabolically unsound, meaning teetering on the edge of diabetes, your risk of severe outcomes with this virus is very high. But most Americans are walking around in a pre-diabetic state. So most Americans are going to have a harder time with this than a healthy Swedish person, for instance. And oh, by the way, Sweden was right. Their strategy of let it rip fast actually worked. <laughs> they, they are out of the woods. And we had to wait for that information to come in. And if I dared to speak on lockdowns not working, which I do not believe they worked, I do not believe masks worked. If I were to dare speak on it in real time, I got shredded. And so I have had to tiptoe very carefully, and I've tried to be as respectful as possible as I present this information. But it doesn't matter because people's paradigms are so locked into what they're hearing on the media and what they're hearing on the news and what they're being fed. And it's some kind of weird cognitive dissonance and incongruence that they have to attack when you give them – if you even ask them to ponder a different thought process, they just attack. Because what if – they were wrong and they were privy to one of the biggest crimes against humanity ever, ever, you know, what if, right? So that's just too much of a thought. I'm not saying that's true. Who knows? But it, it, it just was too much for them to fathom. So they would just viciously react and attack back and get triggered. Anyway, what else do we know? We know that those with visceral fat, which is the fat underlying the muscle layer of your stomach, is a major risk factor for poor outcomes with this virus. 
How do you get rid of that? You lift weights and you restrict your carbohydrates and your alcohol. It's that simple, right? But people didn't want to hear that in the beginning. We now have the studies to support it, but they didn't want to hear me say that in the beginning. I'm like, hey guys, I I know how to not die from a virus, but FYI, let me share this information with you. Let me share with you everything I've been doing for the past 10 years was basically what I've been trying to share out. I got into strength training. I follow a specific type of eating. Uh, I hate to call it a diet. I exercise a certain way. I prioritize my sleep. All of these things that seem just too simple for the fear narrative that was getting spun on the television. The TV just kept doubling down on case numbers and scaring the crap out of everybody. So how in the world is some ND on Instagram correct, right? That was that was kind of the thing with all of this. Because I'm talking about lifestyle modifications that have a huge impact, but nobody wanted to hear that. They wanted a pill or a shot to, to save them. They wanted to keep eating their freaking Dunkin' Donuts and their Krispy Kremes and drinking their beer and going through their, you know, waiting in the long lines around the drive-thru. How many people was paying attention to the drive-thru lines when they drove by? I mean, they were insane, right? They just wanted to keep up that lifestyle and just have big government save them. So, of course, they had to back up everything big government said. And here I was saying, like, hey, if you optimize your vitamin D... Now, here's the interesting part. I got a call from my lawyer the very first week of the pandemic, and she said, Tina, don't say anything online about prevention, treatment, or cure. The Department of Justice in Oregon is working alongside the FTC, and they're coming after doctors who are even mentioning prevention, treatment, or cure. And I was like, but vitamin C and zinc and D are critical antivirals. Like, that's just what we get all of our patients ready with every flu season and some other things like quercetin and some other nutraceuticals, like basics that we've been using for decades to get our patients ready every flu season. It's stuff that I double down on every fall to make sure that I'm going into flu season protected. We were not allowed to say a peep. Then I started hearing from friends who had large accounts saying, you know, I shared an article about vitamin, high-dose vitamin C intravenously, which FYI, I know very well. That's how I pulled myself out of long haulers was high-dose high vitamin C IVs. He posted an article about it. His Facebook accounts, I mean, he had millions of followers. He was a big influencer. Everything was shut down and he was, they shut down his personal account so he could no longer access any of his business accounts. And he lost everything. And then somebody came in and hacked his business account and took it over. And he had absolutely no recourse. And that was the first time I saw, it was very early on in the pandemic. It was the first time I saw what Facebook could and would be doing. And so I immediately got off Facebook. I didn't say another word on there because I was like, this is not going well, right? And I've been hanging on by the skin of my teeth on Instagram. I got my account taken away a few weeks ago on Instagram. I eventually got shut down. They gave it back after two weeks and an appeal. Um, I think it was a slap on the wrist, but the censorship that I've seen is real. It's been severe. It has ruined people's businesses and their financial well-being. This is how many of us make our money. And we were not even allowed to present studies. So not only as a physician was I concerned about having my license in jeopardy, my uh, being investigated by the Department of Justice here in Oregon, which has now been actually made into a permanent rule. We are still not allowed to speak publicly about prevention, treatment, or cure, right? Which I just did, but oh well. <laughs> um, and this was really happening. And I was trying to share this out with people. I was trying to let my colleagues know what was happening. I was trying to let my friends know. I was trying to let people on social media know. And I just kept getting accused of you name it. 
Like they literally thought I was doing it for marketing purposes. They thought I was trying to swindle them and lie. I mean, it was crazy. And I'm like, could you guys just use common sense for a second? What I'm telling you is true. Once we started seeing accounts go down on those platforms, we knew the censorship was real, right? But until a big account like RFK went down, nobody believed me. Everybody thought I was just trying to do another marketing scheme. And the whole thing was so ridiculous because we were seeing recovery rates, but they wouldn't post those on the news, right? The news was just cases, cases, cases. A quick note about that, the PCR test that was used as a diagnostic tool, which is the swab up the nose, that test was invented by Carrie Mullen, who came out and said, who mysteriously and interestingly died right before the pandemic start started, he came out and said, this is not a diagnostic tool. And if you run it at too high of a cycle threshold, meaning the amount of rounds that they, um, they use to see what's in there, they culture out the virus basically. If you do it at too high of a cycle threshold, it'll pick up a false positive on anything. You could swab a cucumber and it'll come up positive for COVID-19 you know, or SARS-CoV-2 is the virus. I'm sorry. COVID is the condition, the, the physical condition that comes from SARS-CoV-2. So Carrie Mullen was saying this early on. We had information straight out of laboratories, laboratory specialists and scientists saying they're running the PCR threshold at like 45 on these, which was not correct. You're not supposed to run that above 25. And yet at the very beginning of this pandemic, the World Health Organization, from what I understand, changed their stance online from 25 upward. And suddenly all COVID tests were being run at 45 cycle threshold. And we're like, well, duh, of course they're all coming back positive. And then I, I also learned this early on, and yet people still don't want to hear this information. Death counts are not from COVID. They are with COVID. So if you went into the hospital and you'd had a positive and flawed PCR test, potentially flawed PCR test that had come up positive within 60 days of you entering hospital, and say you came in with um, injuries from a motorcycle accident and you died from them, they would put you as a COVID death. So people were dying with COVID, not of COVID. They're starting to reverse this in some counties I'm seeing in the United States. They're actually starting to go back through the death records and by upwards to 25% of fallacy that they were counting these cases. So we had inflated PCR-driven, incorrect PCR-driven cycle thresholds that were leading to inflated caseloads that were being advertised all over the place, scaring the crap out of everybody which was also tying into inflated death rates because people were being marked as of COVID and not just with COVID. There was not a differentiation there. So that's where we were at all year. And I'm watching this unfold just thinking this was utter lunacy and I had no idea how to get people on the straight and narrow. And I thought for sure my colleagues would be on the tip. I, I cannot tell you how many doctors I've talked to who had no idea what I just told you was going on. And they didn't even believe me. I would tell them and they get a blank look on their face. And they're like, well, I'm running those tests in my clinic. And I'm like, yeah, they're flawed. The cycle threshold is, be, it's too high. Conveniently right around the inauguration, the world, I think it was the day of the inauguration, I want to say. I'm pretty sure it was the day of. The World Health Organization came out and said, we've been running the cycle thresholds too high. We have to drop them back down to 25. So conveniently, death rates, I'm sorry, case rates plummeted, right? So if you're following what I'm saying here, you can see there's some fallacies. I don't know how intentional they were, but there were some major fallacies with all of this. And trying to ring the alarm and ring the bell and get people to wake up to this was just it's, it's been like climbing up a sand dune with a sack of potatoes 
on my back the whole time, right? So it's it's been an interesting yet exhausting ride. And I'm just trying to lay down basic facts for people. So where does this take us today? So there's mass vaccination in a vaccine that does not induce sterilizing immunity dropped into the middle of the pandemic. So when you put a door up to a virus, it will get around it. It'll mutate around it. And so it's changing the conformation of its spike proteins, which is the vaccine. And I'm not anti-vax, by the way. My daughter is fully vaccinated. I am fully vaccinated. I am anti-being a guinea pig. And I don't think that we've had adequate studies or outcomes in a long enough timeline to have any clue how safe or not safe this is. So I personally will not be receiving it. I have some pre-existing conditions that would definitely put me at risk for death for this, as do my does my daughter and my mother. So we won't be doing any, we're not partaking. Um, we'll stay in the control group. They also unblinded the control group, by the way. So I won't get into all the numbers and the f- fallacies there. We can get to that another time. But very quickly on, they unblinded the control group, meaning they gave the control group the option to receive the real vaccine. So we don't even have a control group. We don't have a real study, you guys. The people who have been vaccinated are actually part of the clinical study up through 2023. So if you've been vaccinated, you are part of the clinical study. I don't know if they told you that in the informed consent. I don't even know how much of an informed consent people are getting. But we don't even have a control group to compare it to for safety standards. And there were very little to no animal testing. Phase two and three were brought together at the same time and phase one was skipped for the most part. So we have a very interesting situation here. Now, when you back to the variants, when you drop these vaccines into the middle of a pandemic, the virus will find a way around. Viruses don't want to kill their host. They just want to find a new host. They just want to carry on their lineage. So they're going to morph and adapt to whatever they need to do. If they kill all of their hosts too quickly, that's that often happens when a virus is first introduced to a species. So if it like first jumps to pigs, all the pigs initially, or not all, but a lot of the pigs initially will die. And then eventually the pig population starts to handle the virus because as the virus goes through the pig immune systems, it becomes kinder and gentler because it's, like I said, it's starting to use your cellular machinery to morph and shape itself. And so it will start to linger its way through your immune system, taking on characteristics of our immune systems, and it will get kinder and gentler. And so a year out, it should be an easier version to deal with. Had we not locked down, I firmly believe this pandemic would be over. I think the same amount of people would have died. I don't think that the lockdowns, all the lockdowns were, were a drawn out letter rip uh, strategy. And so we also had a very light flu season in 2019. So we had a lot of elderly people sort of left over from the year prior that probably would have been taken out by the flu. And I don't mean this disrespectfully. Old people die from the flu. That is a fact. And so we had a lot more people dying in 2020 because we actually had more people left over who probably would have left the planet the year prior if the flu season had been intense. So we have a lot of variables here that nobody really, you know, a few people are talking about, but nobody's really listening to. And I'm listening to really highly intelligent professors and experts and medical um, folks talk about this stuff and just get censored, deleted, canceled, ostracized, lose their jobs, lose their well-being. Um, It's been a brutal year to watch this with people and myself included. So anyway, um, I think we're in a position where we will have to wait and see how the vaccinated do. I believe the vaccinated are actually driving the variants by 
for reasons I just explained. Um, and other reasons, I believe there's some immune escape going on, meaning the specificity of the spike protein antibody that's being built by the vaccine is so specific that it is allowing the virus to sort of work around and still get into the cells, unfortunately, unnoticed, even more so than it was prior. And so... I think what we're going to see this fall and winter is an uptick. There's a seasonality to viruses, these types of viruses. They are aerosolized. They rear their heads in the spring and in the fall and winter, so late fall, winter. So I think we're going to see another seasonal uptick this coming 2021 winter season. I think it's going to be brutal. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the vaccinated are going to be the ones who succumb. We're already seeing this in England. The bulk of the people who died in June 2021 were actually double vaccinated. Um, and that's straight out of public health, England. You can look those, I can, I can make the um, reference available here on the show notes. So I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things come down the chute. I think it's going to get blamed on the unvaccinated. And I think we're going to see tyrannical lockdowns happen again. I feel like they're setting us up, to be honest. I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but I feel, I live in Oregon. Oregon was one of the hardest lockdown states in the country. I don't think people realized what was going on here. My city of Portland is destroyed um, by left-wing extremists, which as a voting liberal up until this year, I, I'm heartbroken. I'm heartbroken to see what's happened to my city. I'm heartbroken to see what's happened to the state and the economy. We are open for the summer. We've been open for a few weeks. It's exciting. It's weird. Uh, I'm hoping it will persist. I'm afraid that if they start to see upticks, that we'll start to see lockdowns again. And when I say upticks, here's the thing about ICUs, and I'm not incorrect on this because I've talked to a lot of hospital administrators, ICU nurses, ICU doctors, um, folks who work in the hospital, ICUs are always ran at capacity. That's how they fund hospitals. They actually fund hospitals by keeping ICUs right at the brink. So it's not too hard to overload an ICU because they're always running at capacity, especially during the flu season. By the way, the flu disappeared this year. Interesting, right? So this winter, I was talking to people who were working in the ICUs directly. They would not let me disclose who they were, even share the information out because for threat of them losing their jobs. But there were a lot of empty ICUs, and there were a lot of ICUs they were moving COVID patients into on purpose just to get the numbers up so that they could get funding. Because I don't know exactly how the funding works, but there's something about an ICU running at a certain percentage, a high percentage of full of capacity that allows them to get dollars. And so... People who didn't even need to be in the ICU are getting moved into the ICU. And so, of course, the news reports it as ICUs are at capacity, the world is melting. But in reality, it was just more inflated numbers, right? And there's more to that story that I won't dive into. But I was watching this happen, and I couldn't say a peep. I couldn't open my mouth and say a peep. And I'm hearing this from people who are working in the ICUs, who are working, like I said, in administration, telling me how this is going down. And they're upset. A lot of people quit their jobs this year that were in healthcare because of this. A lot of nurses, a lot of doctors said, I can't do this anymore. The lies and the deceit that's happening in my own direct vicinity is too much and I got to go. Um, so I'm not saying the virus isn't real. I fully believe there is a virus. I believe it's quite virulent to some I do believe these variants are more infectious. That's what they do. They morph so they can become more infectious because they need more hosts. They don't want to kill the host. Remember that. They want to just move through society. And they usually chill out a bit. It actually, when they chill out, it allows them to linger longer. Do you understand? The life cycle of the virus is extended when it doesn't kill its host. So 
we by locking down, we kept it wild type and we kept it more virulent. And so we're going to have to pay the consequences of that each season when it starts to spike. Notably, in every country besides, I believe, Brazil, when they introduced max vaccination, cases exploded. So that's interesting. Or it may have been the seasonality of the virus. Who knows? But the seasonality does not seem to be changing based on any man-made barrier. Um, Masks, lockdown, vaccines, it's still spiking in the spring and in the winter. So we'll see what happens this coming winter. But I just wanted to share this information because I want you guys to know what's out there, what's really happening. I don't have any quick and direct resources. I'm going to try to bring on guests who can verify this information further. But this was sort of a state of the union, if you will, or state of the nation and just where we're at, where I have seen things come from, where I've seen them go. Um, I'm very excited about ivermectin getting finally getting its day in the light. I think that it's been suppressed and it's been censored, and I don't know why, but we're starting to see from all over the world really, really um, well done and efficacious studies on ivermectin. And I think that we'll start to see less lives lost when they start to release some of this information so people can really empower and help themselves. And in the meantime, our jobs to get out of this pickle is to stay as healthy as we possibly can. And I'm going to be talking a lot about health, resiliency, strength on this podcast because that is the only way to get through this is to stop having people end up in hospital. And that will only happen when people become more resilient to a virus that actually has a very high recovery rate and a pretty low death rate when you look at it at large. Um, The studies that have come out recently have shown us that well over 90%, actually 93%, I believe, of deaths were in those age 60 and over. And of those the bulk, almost 100%, were due to lifestyle factor uh, or or conditions that were most notably obesity that were preventable or altered by lifestyle. So that's what we're going to double down on this podcast. And I'm going to have a whole slew of awesome guests on. And I'm really excited for you guys all to be here and to share this journey with me. Um, You can find me at drtina.com, and I will make sure that I give you all references that I can in the show notes as we move forward so that you can be empowered. You can share this information with your friends and your colleagues. You can have some defense to these thoughtless attacks that are happening by the media and by everyone who's buying into the nonsense. And we can all come together and get through this pandemic together. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A, and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.